Al Berry and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Berry. Along with me is Tim Parrish. And this week we are going to talk about e-bug sensation David Ayers. And we are also going to have the debut of the Puck Junk Listener Mailbag. Tim, what's up? Not a whole lot. What's up with you? Been sick. Been sick this week. So I sound Going a little around. wuss. Yeah, I sound a little wussier than usual right now. I'm I now I sound like a wussy with a cold instead of just a wuss. Um, but uh, I'm gonna battle through it because I wanna I'm i I'm so excited. Um every time an e bug, you know, every time an e bug gets an NHL jersey and angel gets its wings no i don't know every time an emergency backup goaltender gets to be in a game i just feel a little bit happier about things in general it's it's always such a nice story um but then i'm also excited that we got some really fun interesting questions because i mean yeah i love talking about hockey cards and i love talking about like current events but you know i'm a teacher you used to be a teacher when a student asks a question, it's sometimes it's fun to kind of go off onto that tangent and talk about that thing instead of just like lecture, lecture, lecture. Like I will now explain to you the pros and cons of the 86, 87 OPG set. Oh boy. Right. As opposed to getting a fun question, which we got a bunch of. Well, it's definitely easy to do too when you're like us and we like to hear ourselves talk and we ramble on and on and on. <laughs> I like to hear you talk. You got a nice voice, you know. I, uh, if I had well, your voice, you. I'd be, I'd be set. I'd I, be set. Like I wish I felt the same. I feel I feel like my voice is high pitched and whiny. No, so. dude, have you heard my voice? Yeah, I'm listening to it right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't make me do a Twitter poll to prove you right here. Speaking <laughs> of which, I should look at this Twitter poll that I just put up. It should be closing right about now. Do 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 do. Where are you, Twitter? Okay. So I did a little Twitter poll and I said, oh, wait, yep. I said, which one is the better insult? Your hockey team's so bad that they couldn't score on an accountant or your hockey team's so bad they lost to a Zamboni driver. And the second one, your hockey team's so bad that they lost to a Zamboni driver won the vote. It got 74.2% of the vote. Whereas your hockey team's so bad that they couldn't score on an accountant got 25.8% of the vote. This is totally scientific, by the way, because it's Twitter. Um, it's a Twitter poll. Um, so, of course, I'm referring to uh, the first one. I'm referring to Scott Foster, who was the accountant who stepped in between the pipes for the Chicago Blackhawks during um, uh, the end of the 17-18 season. Played 14 minutes, turned away seven shots. Didn't get credited with the win, but he stopped every shot he faced. So the Winnipeg Jets could not score on that accountant. Or the other one, your hockey team's so bad that they lost to a Zamboni driver. Now we're talking to Dave about David Ayers, who was the facilities manager or is the facilities manager for the Toronto Marlies, also practice goalie for the Marlies and the Maple Leafs. And he played for the Carolina Hurricanes this past Saturday night. And he stopped eight out of 10 shots that he faced. So he didn't stop. It wasn't that they couldn't score on the Zamboni driver, but 
he got, was credited with the the win. So technically, not technically, like actually, the Maple Leafs lost the game to him. He gets the win. He gets the W. He is the first e-bug to get a win in NHL history. Yeah, you could have had a third choice to that poll too. Oh, like, your team, your team is so bad that they're out of the playoffs in mid-February, like Detroit. But that's 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 another story entirely. Um, yeah, I, I mean it was interesting because you know he got in that he got in there and everybody was you know high-fiving him and great, yeah, good times, like they have some fun out there and he the first. What was it? The first two shots he let two in. Two shots. Yeah, yeah, two shots on goal and two two goals, and it's like you're thinking, oh boy. So what's the over under on six or seven at this point? And but, you know, uh, I was now going back and listening to him talk about that first shot. He said that he thought Tavares was going to go high with his shot because he's faced Tavares before in practice because he sometimes practices with the Maple Leafs. He thought Tavares was going to go high, so he hesitated on going down, and Tavares shot it low, and he went down a split second too late, which is all it takes. And so that was an honest mistake, and he wasn't, like, making excuses for himself. I mean, he's like, you know, I got beat. He goes, but I thought he was going to go high. He went low, and by the time I caught on to that, I was too late. And the other one was, was a backdoor, where the guy just basically, like, was on the backdoor, got the rebound, put it in. Oh, got the rebound, but it was the defenseman for the Hurricanes tried to block the shot, blocked the shot, got a piece of it. It ended up right in front of the Maple Leaf, who just whacked it in a, a wide open side of the net. And then um, Ayers said to his teammates, well, his teammates said to him, don't worry, we don't care if you allow 10 goals, just enjoy the moment, have fun, you know. And he said, just let me see the puck and I think I'll be okay. And so then they let him see those shots and then, you know, they weren't trying to block the shots. They weren't inadvertently screening him. And then he was fine. He made a he made a save at the end of the second period. And then he stopped everything he faced in the third period. Yeah, that second goal, that, that second goal would have beat most of the goaltenders in the league. Um, yeah. So that wasn't um I don't fault him. I don't fault him at all for that. And but, John Tavares you know, has beat most of the goaltenders in the league anyway. So the first true. goal, I mean, but yeah, the fact that the fact that he was, you know, in the locker room and just kind of like, all right, I'm, I'm shaking the rust off, the shaking the nerves off. Mm -hmm. I'm good. And he mm -hmm. went out there and and didn't let another one pass him after that. It, it that. It was definitely interesting, and I'll tell you what it 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 makes for a good story. It makes for a very compelling story that draws people that wouldn't normally pay attention to hockey in because it becomes a talking point. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you've seen that the last few days because he's made his rounds from talk show to talk show to talk mm -hmm. show. He's been on tons of morning shows on the radio, on TV. Um, I mean, he did Colbert. He was on um, the Today Show where they brought his mom out and everybody was crying and all that kind of stuff. Um, so it was like, you know, this guy's like the feel-good story of, of, of the year, especially when you go back and look at the history. I mean, he had a... Um, Kidney transplant in 2004. Yeah, it, right. And it's like... 
okay, here's here's a guy who was in a situation like a dire situation at some point, has a surgery, comes back, you know, is living his life, doing his thing, you know, more or less, he's like every beer league hockey player's dream because mm-hmm. he actually got into a game. And I mean, it's it's a great story. I mean, you can't you you can't make this stuff up. I mean, it's just it's just one of those things. I gotta tell you, because uh, I watched, I, I like watching Hockey Night in Canada, and I'm always happy when I get to see a game like this live, right? Like when I get to see a game like this as it happens, it's like, oh my god, this is awesome. Like I I remember watching the game when John Tortorella stormed the Calgary Flames locker room. I mean, that was hilarious and and uh, and whatnot i mean i i love it when i get to see these games that just like aren't just the maple leafs lost three to two or one three to two but when just like this other element happens right or um you know the time in 91 when the the blues and the blackhawks had that like huge brawl at center ice they call it the saint patrick's day massacre um mm-hmm. or like uh going back to the e-bug situation I remember watching the Blackhawks game where Scott Foster was put in against the Winnipeg Jets. Now, in that game, he went perfect seven for seven. So when David Ayers allowed two goals on two shots, I'm like thinking, all right, he's no Scott Foster, right? Because Scott Foster was perfect. He's no accountant. (laughs) but But it was a different situation. One, Scott Foster is a bit younger. He was like 36 or 35. Um maybe 34. He was in his thirties. Um, I don't know how old he is now, but anyway, so, um, the other thing is, is that the Hawks already had a commanding lead six to two. And then he only had to play 14 minutes. He didn't have to play an entire period. I mean, airs played like a period and a half. Um, but what I want to say, just being a Blackhawk fan and watching that game, it stopped being a game for me. Like, you know, that feeling when you watch a movie, and you get really emotionally involved in the character. And then you're like, oh, man, I hope they make it okay. You know what I mean? Like when you're just whatever it is, right? Can you can you think of like any movie or anything like that where you've just you've had emotional investment in it? Oh, of course. Right. And so it's so weird. But that Scott Foster game, it stopped being a game to me. And it became like almost like a movie where now I was rooting for this hero. Like, I didn't want him to get hurt. I didn't want him to get, not embarrassed, but I didn't want him to allow 10 goals. I didn't want him to get hurt. I I had, like, concern for him. Like, not like, oh, he's going to, you know, get an injury from uh, a hockey puck because he's a goalie, and goalie gear is really damn good these days. Um, but I, I just, that was just such a, an experience, like, just watching it, like, I was worried for this guy, not like that he was going to get hurt, but I was just worried. I was just like, Oh my God, what's going to happen? Like, like, is, is he going to be okay? How, how is this going to end? Right. When airs played, maybe because I was, I'd already seen an e-bug play before. And maybe because I wasn't like really worried about the outcome of the game so much. I was just like, ah, this will be interesting. I want to see what happens. And I'm like, of course, I'm feeling great for him. And then I see Rod Brindamore, like roll his eyes. And I'm just like, come on, Rob excuse me rod be a little better than that you know be be better than that right like because like quenville when when scott foster walked out quenville like gave this laugh like well 
this is where the game is. You know what I mean? I've, I've had two goalies get hurt in this game, and here's the third goalie. You know, and, and when uh, Ayers came out, Brenda Moore just kind of rolled his eyes. But, um, you know, then he kind of made up for it with that impassioned locker room speech at the end um, of the, after the game. So that that was nice. Yeah, and it definitely adds more emotional attachment to it when it's a team that you actually like and root for and have a somewhat of a vested interest in as right. a fan. Um, so that, that definitely makes a difference. Yeah, so um, just a few other notes here. So um, uh, Ayers had, has, had been a backup in the past for the Toronto Marlies and the Charlotte, Charlotte Checkers because the I think it was last month the Checkers – Coincidentally, the farm team for the Carolina Hurricanes, they um, they needed a backup goalie for whatever reason. So he sat on the bench and was their backup for that game. So he could have gone into that, too. And then he was also a backup for the Marlies. So, I mean, he's been on an AHL bench a couple of times and now he got to be in an NHL game. So that's just crazy, but awesome. And I'm glad, you know, some people were like, oh, well, the NHL didn't make a big deal about Scott Foster. And it was because he turned down interview requests. He was very polite about it. But I know this because I've talked to people in the Chicago media like, oh, why didn't you talk? Because they talked to him after the game because you got to talk after the game to the media. Right. And he was still just kind of taking it in. But then after that, he just very politely declined. He did not want to um, do any interviews um upper deck asked about making a hockey card of him he initially declined you know very politely because i asked him about that i'm like hey where's the scott foster card and they're just like oh you know we asked him and he very politely said no thank you um but then he i guess he relented or maybe there was a loophole because he was in the 1819 opg premiere set but i guess what i'm getting at is like airs is just the opposite like he's like hey, you know, like, I'm really happy and proud and, and humbled by this experience, and people want to talk to him, and he's going out there, and he's just smiling and, you know, very humble, very modest, but making the most of it and just enjoying it, which I think most of us would, and that's okay, too. I mean, there's no right or wrong answer. So he's making uh, the rounds. He's bringing a lot of publicity, like you said, that the NHL could not buy. So, of course, what is the NHL going to do? Well, based off of the opinion of some former GMs and some of the comments being made by some of the current NHL executives, it's definitely going to be a discussion at the next uh, the, the next meetings. They're um, going to ruin it. They're going to take and, the out of the sales. Well, here's the thing. Obviously, you can you can take. This is something you can take a side of one way or another. Okay, so on one side, there's nothing wrong with the rule the way it is because the rule book states that you can have a backup goaltender. You could even have a third goaltender on your roster if you wanted, but most teams don't. Um, And your backup goaltender can be pretty much anybody. Um, And there's no rules or regulations to say who it is. It's just always been – there's usually that one person – at a facility or at a building or that works for a team. Now, if I may interject there for just a moment, because this is actually a point of contention. 
different teams do different things. So in the case of the Maple Leafs, they had uh, David Ayers on staff for that reason. Now, the Blackhawks have a couple of different emergency backup goaltenders. Uh, so it's not always Scott Foster at every game. It might be somebody else for a different game because they split it up. And I know that, like, um, there's uh, – I, I don't know about the Blackhawks, but I, and I'm sure they probably have a similar process, but I know the L.A. Kings actually have an open tryout for it. Because I remember reading a really interesting article in the Hockey News. Um, I forgot who wrote it, but it was hilarious. And this guy was, like, he was trying out to be the emergency backup goaltender for the Kings, and they were going to have, like, three of them that they would rotate and he he talked about the tryout and he just he didn't he didn't make it but so some teams have a more rigorous um process but then you look back at like a couple years ago with the Philadelphia Flyers it was Eric Simborski who worked for like their uh at their like practice facility like coaching kids right he played goalie and so he was a e-bug for the Blackhawks during an afternoon game when Corey Crawford needed um, an emergency surgery and he couldn't play. So he was brought in as the backup, but then he was also brought in as a backup, an e-bug e-bug actually for the, for a Flyers devils game a couple months later. So um, sometimes it's just one guy that they have on staff. And sometimes they have like guys that come to the game just for that reason. And they just sit in the press box and nobody knows who they are until their cell phone lights up. But that's the thing, the way the rule is written, there is no there is no standardized like your your backup has to be this guy or it has to be this player or it has to be this employee or the way the rules written, it, it doesn't specify, it doesn't spell that out. Right. And so I could see what Brian Burke was saying when he was saying it was an embarrassment. Now he he said he wasn't being disparaging to uh, David Ayers, but I don't always agree with what Brian Burke says. He's a little too old school for me. Like that. I don't know that, that, that uh, he's the get off my long guy. He well, so's Don Cherry, but I, I used to like Don Cherry. I used to like Don Cherry, but kind of with an asterisk, you know, kind of like steroid era baseball. It was fun, but um, Look, if you, you take what, what these guys are saying and yeah, you can lump all of these guys in that group of hockey purists or, you know, the old school guys or whatever. But if you if you look at this in a bigger picture, and I'm not saying I do, but I can see this side where you're saying, here's a team, Maple Leafs, that is... That let's should just, be... they they should be a playoff contention team but right right now they're they're sitting on the bubble right they're in a points battle you're playing an opponent and you give whoever your backup is or your your e-bug is the rink manager your accountant your you know equipment manager whoever whoever this person is you know, the, the beer league guy that plays on Saturday nights, you know, he goes in goal, right. And for whatever reason, you still lose to them. And essentially 
the end of the season rolls around and it boils down to you missed the playoffs by one point or two points because you because you lost. Now you forfeit millions of dollars in playoff revenue to be able to go. And so, so from an executive standpoint and from running a team and an owner standpoint and a team manager standpoint, I, I can see all the scenarios that come through their minds about all of this kind of stuff. In, in my opinion, though, think about this. Do, do you want to change the rule books or open up the books and change regulations and things like that because of something that's happened twice in two years and pretty much never before that in the modern twice, era of hockey? Twice in three years. Okay, twice in three years. Okay, but a right, couple of things. One, the Maple Leafs couldn't win that game. That's on the Maple Leafs. They embarrassed And that's themselves. my point. They weren't shooting point. the puck. Okay? I mean, Ayers still made a bunch of saves, and he, he, he looked sharp towards the end. But the thing is, is, I mean, obviously he's not an NHL caliber goalie. That's okay. He did what he needed to do. You know, I, I I hate to give a bad analogy, but like it's like beer league when like your goalie doesn't show up, and so it's like you, you're you're watching the high school team finish its practice, and then you see one of the teenage goalies come off the ice, and you're like, "Hey, kid, um, is your mom here? We really need a goalie, and I, I know this is past your bedtime now." But do you want to play with a bunch of? Uh, <laughs> you want to play in a beer league game? You, you know what I mean? Like, cause you yeah. just you kind of need you you need somebody, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're you're so. I think maybe the embarrassment is, it, it's not just that. It's that look, if I'm visiting your team, and I say, "Oh no, Tim, both of my goalies got hurt," and you say, "Well, that's cool. It's my responsibility as the home team to provide you with." an emergency backup goaltender. So I want you to meet my grandfather, our emergency backup goaltender. And I'm just like, what the hell, dude? Come on. Does he play well, goalie? It, and you're like, and that's, well, that's he did exactly when I was it. five, you know, I right. used to play knee hockey on the floor and he was pretty good. That Right. And it's yeah. just like, so that's, that's, ex- that's exactly it though. I mean, do you, what, there's no incentive for a team to necessarily have a backup goaltender or I should say emergency backup goaltender. There's no real incentive for a team to have somebody there that's got pro credentials to be able to step in and do that unless they're doing it because they're anticipating using them themselves. Because that's the thing. If you have to play host to that and you have to provide your guests in your building with that emergency backup and here you are, you've essentially either in the public eye or behind the scenes trained your emergency backup to be as good as, you know, a a backup goaltender in the AHL maybe. Uh, Okay, well, now all of a sudden you've thrown this guy that could be pro caliber guy to the other team. So then what do you do and in a situation like that? Here's the thing. I don't remember Scott Foster, the whole thing. Yeah, it was great and it was cool and fun and everything else. I don't remember get, it getting blown up like this. Like this is well beyond the, Hey, look, an emergency backup got to play. Oh, he got a win because the, the it's because it's Toronto. 
I go back to my point. It's Toronto. The Toronto media will suck the life out of this to death. Oh, yeah. They'll be the dead horse yeah. back to life. Correct. And that's the part of the problem is if it was any team other than the Maple Leafs, we would have forgotten about it yesterday and moved on with our lives. Right. But the Leafs really had a pathetic showing in that third period. And they did. I mean, the Canes, sh- the Canes did what they had to do. But the Leafs have had a history, well, not history, but the Leafs have been on a streak of having pathetic showings yeah. over the past few weeks. Yeah. So, so it has nothing to do with an e-bug. It has nothing to do with any of that in this case. It has to do with they're not playing to their potential, and they've got some issues that they need to take care of. It just so happens that this rare thing that happens once, you know, like Haley's Comet, yeah. <laughs> it, it occurred, and so now we're going to make a big deal. I don't think the NHL should change anything. They shouldn't mess with it. It I is what it is. I think it's interesting when, it alone. when, like, different teams have different standards. So, like, in the case of the Flyers, it was their one of their youth hockey coaches with, you know, the Maple Leafs, it was the Marley's facility manager, facilities manager. When it was the Blackhawks, it was, you know, a num- one of a number of guys that they have on uh, – payroll if you will to do that um not like paid as professionals but paid as you know amateur you know maybe the problem is is that like with somebody like scott foster the dude plays in like an upper tier uh men's league um so he plays over at johnny's ice house which used to be where the blackhawks practiced that used to be their practice rink and they have like um they have like an upper tier level that's made up of like former pros, minor pros and college players. And I believe he's in that level. And uh, cause he played, he played NCAA college. So he's up there. I mean, he, he's like in like their top men's league and he probably plays once a week. Maybe he plays in another league also. I don't know. But the point is, is that like he has his job and then he plays his rec hockey at a pretty high level and then he does this thing. And with Ayers, it was kind of like, it's almost like they're double dipping. Like, well, we have this guy on staff who is our facilities manager. And he used to play goaltender. So if we ever need a goalie, yeah, I guess we could probably use him. You know what I mean? It just seemed like kind of cheap and kind of lazy. And again, that's not a diss at David Ayers in any way, shape or form. I'm glad the way things happened. I was very happy for him. I was happy it was with the Carolina Hurricanes because, you know, they're a team that's just soaking up this attention. You know what I mean? They're just like, you know. Of course. You know, Caniacs are fat, uh, passionate fans. The, you know, the Hurricanes named him an honorary jerk right away. Um, at their Tuesday game, he was sounding the storm siren at the beginning of the game. Um, you know, in addition to like, you know, being on all these different talk shows and radio shows and stuff. So, well, I mean, the governor you know, made him like an honorary citizen of North Carolina. I think that's awesome. I think that's awesome. I love that. So, um, I'm, I'm again, I'm glad it, it worked out that way, but I could see, you know, there's definitely a difference between having this guy on staff who's already doing all these other responsibilities versus like having somebody who's maybe a little bit better suited for the job in the first place. Right. And, and again, like I said, that's not a diss. I loved how it turned out. I'm a little annoyed that the NHL wants to mess with this because sometimes I just think it's kind of fun where they, 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 they find their 
e-bug for that day, you know? Yeah. It, like I said, I, I don't think they should change it. I mean, it doesn't happen often enough, and it's not something that goes down that that much. Now, here's one thing, though. If you think about it, there, and I don't have the data to qual- uh, to qualify this assessment, but I believe, no, actually, let's talk about this because, again, I don't have the numbers on this. Goalies are more prone to injury now because of the butterfly style, which is not a natural movement for the human body. So goalies 50 years ago were not doing the butterfly style. I mean, Patrick Waugh did the butterfly style, but now goalies do that butterfly style all the time. So we have this unnatural movement in the body that's causing stress on the hips and the joints and so they're getting, they're more prone to injury. So now what's happening is that you're having goalies get injured more. And then I'm not saying that both goalies are going to have that type of injury in a game, but it is possible for, you see what I'm saying? Like it kind of used to seem you're like. You're saying the probability is probably higher now than it ever has been. Yeah. And it's probably going to get even higher than that unless there's, um, uh, one or two things happen. The, the goaltending style changes, which I don't see happening anytime soon, or teams start going with more of this 1-1-A model where you have like a starter and like a semi-starter and not like the not like Tom Barrasso for 60 games and Wendell Young for 20 games, right? Or Ed Belfour for 70 games and Jeff Hackett not a good example. Oh, 90-91 Ed Belfour for like 70 something games and like Jacques Cloutier for like five games. You know what I mean? Like something ridiculous like that. Now you need more of like almost like a. Um, you need a platoon. You need, essentially. Like, you need like two starters, basically. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of teams will bring up their their top AHL guy for a few games a year just to, you know get them some exposure and play around, especially when the schedule is beneficial. Right. Um, you know, you've seen that, you've seen that in a lot of teams and, you know, occasionally they surprise you and okay, we'll keep them around for a couple more games. And then, you know, who knows what happens? Right. The penguins are, the penguins are prime for that with Jari and Murray. I mean, those mm-hmm. were both AHL goalies and now they're the starters and, you know, that's they, how it should be. Yeah. So, I mean that that that's how that's how you grew. You know, you know, and it's something else on this. Not to again beat the dead horse, but that's and, okay. and I didn't I didn't come up with this idea, but I did hear it, and I didn't think it was necessarily a bad one. What about giving another player on the team that job and be like, okay, here's another shot blocking defenseman that we have. And likes to throw himself in front of pucks. Well, give him, you know, couple what, however much he needs, you know, couple couple hours of practice time a month in goal, and give him a shot. That way, if it ever runs down to that, we could strap some pads on him, throw him in the net. It is such a highly specialized. Um, yeah, it's such Remember, a highly. If there's an E. It's an emergency. So oh, I get it, that's... but. Would you rather? I guess I'd rather have an NHL defenseman who 
Um, an NHL defenseman play goalie than like a rec league goalie play goalie in an NHL game? Well, number one, they understand the speed of the game and they, they understand, understand what's going on in front of them. They know the plays, they know the playbook, they know the tendencies of the players, they know, but they different... know a lot of that. But they know, but but from a different perspective, it's like, it's like when you play, like when I play hockey and when I play defense and I play, and then I've started playing wing this season. Oh my God. It's such a, it's such a different experience. You know what I mean? Like you just, it's, it's just a different perspective. Like, um, I would say that, yes, I like what you're thinking. I know that like Paul Bissonnette, a couple years ago or five or six years ago, um, I think he suited up as a backup goalie because they had to dress two goalies. So he suited up as a goalie, but he just sat on the bench. But, um, and I know that like after Saturday's game, Kelly Rudy talked about Kings practices when he was a teammate of Charlie Huddy and Huddy played for the Kings. And he said that Huddy would sometimes throw on Rudy's gear and play goalie like if it was an like it was like an optional skate or something just just to take some shots and he's just like yeah he's like i would have felt confident with charlie huddy going in if i had went down and the other goalie went down and he, if, if he went in our as our goalie i would have felt confident with that you, you know what i mean so yeah i mean you, you have a point like a defenseman would probably be the best guy for that um but again like i'm saying i'm arguing that it's such a specialized position i mean you're wearing different skates and those skates feel different and your movement is different and the things you can and can't do is different and the stick that you have to handle is different you know what i mean it's all different yeah i was just thinking you know just on the lines of what what they were saying is it, it makes a lot of sense it makes it makes a lot more sense than you know calling up your CPA firm and saying, send me your best accountant that plays directly goalie because I need him as a backup. Right. So. so, okay. So that was a great story. And I was, I was happy to watch that game live and, you know, uh, hopefully uh, David Ayers gets a hockey card. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but uh, I guess we would be remiss if we didn't uh, mention Ovechkin's 700th goal, Alexander Ooh. Ovechkin. Uh, Alexander Ovechkin, he's the, he is the captain of the Washington Capitals and he just... Oh, they just, still have a team in Washington? Yeah, know. yeah, they've oh. rebounded since 74, 75. Oh. They've, they've climbed up the charts since that season. Oh, that's that team that has that garbage can that plays for them. Oh, they're the team that won the Stanley Cup a couple years ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they have the greatest, they have the greatest goal scorer of this era playing for yeah, them. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. 700 goals guys uh he's a scoring machine so i gotta i gotta point out because now everybody's like oh he, he he could probably catch gretzky and i wait you know catch wayne gretzky's record and i'm chuckling because one of the puck junk riders blake isaac he first suggested that in an article that he wrote last year it was one of his blake's takes columns where he asked can ov catch gretzky and i swear to god that was the first time that I heard somebody bring that up. I'm not saying that somebody else didn't bring it up before Blake, but what I'm saying is now everybody's saying, oh, he could do it, he could do it, it's possible. And our boy Blake here said this like over a year ago. So it's just like, 
welcome to the club uh mainstream hockey media well things aren't a reality until they're in your face and uh, unless they are unless you have a little thing called foresight well there's that too yeah I mean, so look, you, you were just talking about injuries to goalies i mean yep. how many injuries have there have we seen in the last two years in the nhl i mean the man hours the teams are a that lot are, that are down it's a ton it is a ton. Well, less it's than a hard football. league to play in and to stay healthy in. And so the fact that you have these Ironman players that rarely ever get hurt and rarely ever go down with injuries or illnesses or sicknesses, and to let alone, on top of that, be one of the best players in the league to go out there and consistently score and put points up and just put the puck in the back of the net, I mean... You haven't seen this kind of goal scorer and the fact that he's going to potentially catch Wayne Gretzky and hit that record that, I mean, let's face it, almost everybody that's been involved with hockey since the record was set has said that record's never going to be broken. Well, now we're looking potential history in the face here. So... Um, it was definitely a huge milestone and, you know, he's only what a hundred and well, well, I forget what the, what the total number, cause he scored a couple more since the, since he broke the record. I oh think. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's so. still, still got a ways to go, but, um, that's great. Also got to mention the, um, the, uh, birthday, happy birthday to Slapshot. And also to you, Tim, because you guys are uh, the same age. You and we Slapshot. are, we yeah. are the same age. I'm actually five days older than ah. the greatest hockey movie ever. Let me ask you this: When was the first time you saw Slapshot? The very first time I saw Slapshot. I love asking uh, the, the first time I can remember when I saw it, I was in elementary school. I would say about third or fourth grade. Oh, jeez, you were just so, a baby. Yeah, um, so that was probably the very first time I saw it. And the thing is, where where I grew up, outside of Pittsburgh, um, there was a town not far from there that somewhat, some way, the team was based upon, and that was the Johnstown Chiefs. Yeah. Um, and the Johnstown Chiefs, uh, actually, when we moved from the Pittsburgh area, uh, we were only about 30 miles from there. Uh, and they used to play at the War Memorial and uh that was uh that's what made that movie all the more you know magical i guess because it was like ah you know even though these are the charlestown chiefs they really mean the johnstown chiefs and so you know that's like the kind of thing that everybody well they were the johnstown jets and then they renamed themselves to the chiefs probably by the time you were a kid to kind of kind of pair it off the or to kind of uh, piggyback off the success of the film. Sure. Because I think originally they wanted to call the team the Johnstown Jets, and the Johnstown Jets were like, no, 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 no. They're like, all right, Charlestown Chiefs. And then the Jets were like, oh, yeah, we're changing our name to the Chiefs because, you know, this is who Slapshot based it on. You know what I mean? Like, after the fact, they thought it was was cool. But, yeah, I was was young the first time I saw it. so. So you've actually been to that stadium? Oh, yeah. Wow, that's got to be pretty cool. It, it's not, it's not that great. It's an old barn. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that. And the last time I was there, now 
keep in mind it's been many many years since i've been there and even since then uh they were one of the winners of the craft hockey bill so i haven't seen it since they were able to you know take that money and do the renovations and everything but prior to that i mean it's it was small old you know it's what you would imagine of a of a building that was built during the time frame that it that uh that was put up it reminds me a lot of around here where where i live now um we take the kids to go to the circus and there's a town near here called hammond Mm -hmm. uh, and they at the hammond civic center is where they usually have the shriner circus and we usually take the kids when they come around and it's uh it's an old we've even seen wwe wrestling there too oh wow um but it's a, it's also an old, and that it kind of reminds me of that. Like when you see it in the daylight, it just looks like an old gymnasium from a high school. But then, in you know, they turn down the lights, and it's this big arena and everything. But as soon as the lights come on, you're just like, oh, oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> I want to know the circumstances that led to a third grade, an eight year old Tim Parrish in third grade seeing Slapshot. Um, I just think it was on. I mean, that was... It was on TV? I, If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure it was. It was on cable. Um, yeah, we had cable then. I mean, so you saw your, it had the nudity and the swearing. I want to say swearing, yes. Nudity, I don't recall until later. Maybe I was oblivious to that then. The swearing? Yeah. Maybe I'm oblivious to that now. I don't know. Well, now we are, yeah, of course. But I mean, you know, yeah, I don't know. Or maybe some of the some of the innuendo just flew over your head because you. Oh, were, I'm sure. I'm know. sure. See, I, I just, saw. I just like to see the the fighting and the blood and you know all that kind of stuff. Dude, the first time I saw Slapshot, and it was just such a like perfect storm of how this happened. I was I had these two friends that I used to do hockey lessons with when I was 14. It was a brother who was 13 and another brother who was 11. So um, I went to spend the night at their house. And um, th- so one boy's 13. We we're pretty close in age, like not even a year apart, but we were in a different grade anyway. And then his brother was 11. And then there was like another kid that also played hockey with us. We were all kind of like in kid hockey lessons together but we were like the older kids in the class so we just kind of clumped together so anyways, i'm spending the night at this these uh these boys houses my mom rented a slap shot to watch at the sleepover now my mom had seen slap shot and she didn't care if i saw nudity and she didn't care if i saw nudity at 14 and she didn't care that i heard swearing you know what i mean like she'd probably be more concerned with something that was like like abhorrently violent or gory or whatever. So she rents us this movie to watch. Now, the funny thing is, is that these two boys, their mother was a born again Christian. So if she had known what was on that tape, there is no way she would have let us watch Slapshot. But what happened was, is when I came over, they're like, oh, Sal's coming over. Can we rent some video games? And their mom's like, yeah, sure. So they we rented a few games or whatever. And, you know, anything that had box art that looked too, like, D 
demonic or whatever, she'd be like, "Oh, you can't rent that game. That game looks like it's the you know the devil made it or whatever, right?" And so, um, you know, I, I had to talk talk her into Kid Icarus because I'm like, "Oh, it's Greek mythology. Oh, well, Greek mythology that's a different religion and that's not the one true religion." And I'm like, "Ah, whatever, right?" So anyway, so. <laughs> Wow. After I know I know I know this is a long story, but I promise there's a payoff, right? So after dinner, we get into this discussion about religion, me and the boy's mom, right? And the two brothers. So they tiptoe off to go play these video games because they're like, cool, our mom's not up our ass right now. We can play these games, right? So they're playing these games without their mother breathing down their neck. They have like this free time. And I'm talking with this woman about because I used to go to Catholic school. She's a born again Christian. So I'm just interested in what she has to say, you know, because you're interested, you know, like, especially like when you're like at that age, like 14 or 15, and you're having a conversation with an adult. And it wasn't like she was trying to convert me to Christianity, although she was. But I just wanted to know what she thought, because I thought I thought, oh, all these born again Christian people are crazy. But yeah, you seem pretty cool. Yeah, You know, so so we're talking for like over an hour. Then she's like, well. I don't think I'm going to stay up and watch the movie with you boys because it's getting late. So you boys just camp out in the living room and enjoy the movie and don't put it on too loud. So we're watching this movie and then they start swearing right away, you know, and they're like playing that game and they're, they're yelling at Reggie Dunlop and they're calling him like names. And, and then they start like, you know, throwing out F-bombs and this, that and the other thing. And the boys, like, they never were allowed to watch movies like that, right, with, with swearing. And they start laughing. And then the scene where you see some nudity, where um, Reg is hooking up with uh, the Ducks, uh, the Ducks goalie's wife. Uh, yeah. And she's a lesbian, a lesbian, right? Like, So they're giggling uncontrollably, right, because there's some nudity in this, right? And I'm like, hey, not too loud, not too loud. We don't want to wake your mom, right? if we wake your mom and she comes in here she's gonna stop this right so we loved every minute of it it was hilarious we couldn't laugh out loud as we wanted to because if we woke the bible lady then then that would be the end of watching Slapshot, right so yeah. the next day their mom was like oh how was the movie and we we're just like oh yeah yeah it was it was good you know we're like trying not to like like grin too hard at what we had just just ill-begotten r-rated movie that we were too young for i mean i was the right age for it but whatever so it's just it's just fun you know how sometimes you just stumble upon it on tv and sometimes like you know a parent just says oh here you go kid watch this movie and and now you're a man or a woman right yeah I I didn't have the same experience with my first time watching it, but you know, it was still entertaining to me as a younger, you know, younger kid. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So like I said, I've been to the War Memorial. Well, I think now it's called something else. It's like the I think it's got a sponsorship now, but mm -hmm. Chiefs no longer play there. They got relocated to like South Carolina or something, and mm -hmm. now there's a a, uh, I think it's a USHL team that plays there now. Is the main, the main attraction, mm -hmm. and then a number of like high school and and minor programs uh, utilize the place, but it still looks the same. 
I've been back in that area a few times and same way it looked in like 1984 is how it looks today pretty wow. much. So, yeah. So you want to talk uh, real quick about the Upper Deck MVP contest? Sure. Um, all right. Talk to us about this. All right. So for those that don't know, um, Upper Decks ran a, a My MVP campaign um, in order to shine a spotlight on NHL fans, uh, mainly the super fans that are all out there. And this was done through uh, mostly the Twitter, the Twitter I sound like I'm 75 years old. Um, so it was run through the Twitter. and Kids get um, off my Twitter. Yes. Um, and essentially it boils down to this. You nominate somebody that you think is a super fan of a team. Um, and it get, they get voted on by the Twitter universe. And whoever wins gets named as the my MVP winner for their specific team. All of those names get thrown into a hat and those get voted on. And then there's one grand prize winner. Um, so some of the criteria for this, you know, you have to be obviously a big fan. And the, the key is these are people that have a positive impact in their local hobby, hockey communities. Um, so anybody that you would consider to be, valuable enough to be nominated uh, were put into this mix. So um, this week, Upper Deck announced the finalists for each of the teams and the voting for the ultimate MVP and the grand prize winner uh, will take place between March 5th and March 15th. So if you're not following Upper Deck on Twitter, um, go to their page, follow Upper Deck, uh, follow upper the upper deck hockey account and you'll see the updates as they as they post them along with the photos and pictures of everybody that's that's eligible a couple of things just just side things that i wanted to point out is uh not every nhl team was participating in this um so it's pretty much um from what i could tell it's it's just uh well, I don't think there's any rhyme or reason to it, honestly. So, like, there's there's teams that aren't represented uh, in the mix. Uh, the Canadians aren't in the mix. Um, the – who else did I figure out wasn't in there? I don't think the Capitals are on the list. Huh. Um, I don't think the Kings are on the list. Um Florida, I don't believe, was on the list. Oh, wait, Florida was on the list. Maybe it was Tampa Bay. I don't know. But there, there's a whole bunch of teams that aren't that aren't represented uh, as being uh, eligible to win. So if you're a fan of those teams, uh, sorry for your, for your luck. But, uh, yeah, so. So, yeah, so that's going on. So the nominations are over. Now it's just the time to vote. And if whoever wins, it's actually pretty cool. You get your own card. They're going to put you in the MVP set for 2021. Uh, so you'll be packed out in their product. Um, you also get two tickets to the Stanley Cup Finals with Hocatel accommodations. You win the Hart Trophy. Not to be confused with the Hart Trophy in the NHL, but the Hart as in H-E-A-R-T. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also get a whole bunch of uh, branded uh, items like T-shirt, hat, bag, pin, window clings. I don't know if there's a yo-yo in there too, but there should be. Um, uh, is there an upper deck snuggie in there? There might be. You never know. Um, yeah. And then there's also first place, second place, third place winners that also get lesser uh, items, but they do win win prizes. Well, you know, my goal in life is to be a super short print in an upper deck product. So not in this contest, but, you know, there's always hope for a future contest. My goal in life was to do a podcast with a writer that wrote for the back of upper deck cards. And I'm living my dream right now. Wow, man, I got to get I got to write you some better dreams then, (laughs) you know, come on, uh, don't sell yourself short. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, uh, you know, it was a fun little project. Just talking about the um, sibling sensation set, which was originally going to be a new bloodline set, but I guess uh, Tops had copyrighted or trademarked bloodlines for some sort of uh, W, not WWE, but uh, MMA, UFC. Yeah. UFC yeah. Yeah. You know. Um, cause I think they're talking literal lines of blood on the mm-hmm. mat. Maybe, I don't know. And, um, like the whereas, bloody battles, goalie fight cards. <laughs> oh yeah. That, that, but those are cool. But, uh, yeah, with the, with the bloodlines, um, we'll have to talk more about that. Um, I mean, it came out over a year ago and not a lot of, not a whole lot of stores were like, um, participating in that upper deck family day thing. So, um, fortunately upper deck sent me a bunch of the sets and I was able to just send them to people that I knew like, Hey, here's a set of these bloodline cards. They're like, what are these? And I'm like, Oh, wasn't your local store giving them out? And they're like, no, I'm like, Oh, well here, have a set. I wrote the text on the back. Okay. You know, like that's pretty much the conversation, but, um, people uh, don't just, People just don't appreciate your genius. Yeah. Um, well, writers don't get respect because anybody, because many will write for free. So you got, you know, a million blogs out there. So it's, it's, it's seen, it's, it's seen as a skill that's not very important, right? Like if you can, um, do, there are other skills where people will like, pay money for but like writing like photography is another one that's become really cheap and because um you have people just putting stuff up on like Flickr and instagram and and um photo blogs and stuff like that and uh you know um people just like be like oh well here's a photo of a thing i could just use this you know what i mean like or I could just ask this person, can I use your photo? You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's tougher for photographers too, you know, it's tougher for everybody. You know, you have websites like Fiverr where like, they'll be like, yeah, somebody will design your logo for like five bucks. And you know, what used to take thousands of hours and, you know, thousands of dollars to do is now being, you know, boiled down to five or $10. I should start. Uh, I should start something that I will watch a TV show so you don't have to for $5. I mean, that, that would be good. I can make some money off of that. 
I'm gonna I'll pay you five dollars to watch This Is Us. Cause that um, show just looks terrible. Um, and I always see it advertised during hockey games, and I'm just like on NBC, and I'm just like, no, 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 no. It's like unnecessary melodrama. Can you pay me five dollars if my wife watches it? Uh nope, that doesn't count. Oh, because she does watch it. <laughs> I have to ask her about it. You will. She's watched every season. So um, let's get to some questions, shall we? I'm really anxious to get to this part because I'm yes, excited about it's this. It's time. You know, it's it's time. It's time. For All listener right. mailbag. Listener mailbag. The Puck Junk listener mailbag. Although these were not uh, actual pieces of mail. They were tweets. That's the same as mail in yeah. 2020. This could be the tweet. Uh, I don't like tweet bag. That sounds wrong. That sounds uh, like something different. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, all right. So this first one is from uh, Kevin Paulson. Um, and he asked, what if any Facebook groups or other social media do you use to build and shape your collection? Now, I'm going to admit I'm That's probably... A good question. I'm a little weak on this area. So I'm just going to tell you the sites that I've used. Um, I've used trading card database, which I love just because I love referring to them for checklists, for images. It's a lot faster to just find stuff on that site. Like if I'm researching cards, I usually go there first now. Um, but then you can like, fill out like want lists and have lists and then it'll match you to people and they'll say, Oh, this guy has 30 cards that you need. And he has 28 cards that, uh, you know, that, that he needs, you know, so it'll work out a trade between the two of you. Like it'll tell you who you're matched with. So I've done some trades through that. And I agree like... with that. And I have more to add on that in a second. So go oh, ahead. Okay. Well, why don't you go ahead and add to that? Oh, right? I was just going to say trade card DB is a great place to find things you wouldn't normally find. Mm-hmm. Um, floating around out there, especially because you're dealing with other traders and not necessarily the sellers or the investors or those types of people. Because one thing about this site is it's in order to use it, it's very labor intensive. Yeah. And it's labor intensive on your part. The site can be as good or as bad as you want it to be. And I've been on there for a long time, but I've only recently began really using it like really using it and i've been starting to log some of my collections on there and it is very time consuming but a couple things it does it gets you intimate with your cards again mm-hmm. i mean well that sounded bad that came out wrong uh, um, no, we know what you meant i assure you my cards are not stuck together they it, it what i mean is you get to you see you see them you're looking at them you're making you know you're making lists, you're, you're, you're discovering again, what's in that collection. And so that's really cool. The other thing is most of the data is already there and any of it that's not, you can put in, or you can suggest to them that they add it. Um, you can add photos, you can do all of that kind of stuff. You can even log how much you paid for stuff and it'll keep all of those records. So I've been burnt on sites like this before, but this one's been around for a while. And I think that's probably why I joined a long time ago and have kind of lurked in the background sort of, and I've just now finally decided, you know what, these guys aren't going anywhere. So let's do this. So that's, that's why I'm doing that. Yeah, so, so go ahead with both, your other options. No, we both like trading card database. Um, I've made 
some trades on Twitter. And I'm not going to say Twitter is the be all end all. But the thing is, is that when you're on Twitter a lot and you start to get to know people and you start to see who's trustworthy and whatnot, I've made purchases on Twitter. I've made trades on Twitter. Sometimes I've just put up cards and said, free, who wants one? And people will take one. And other times people have said, um, what's a card you're looking for? And let's see if somebody can help you out. And I know, and I forgot who it was. It was so kind, though, that like I said, you know, I really want that upper deck baseball card of Michael Jordan in a White Sox jersey. And somebody sent it to me. It was so nice. And he sent me a couple of cards of Jordan with the White Sox, first from that one from like 91 or 92, which was just kind of like Jordan at batting practice. And then one from a couple from a few seasons later when he was actually like in the system and did like spring training with the White Sox. So like I've done trades on Twitter um, and I've done trades on the National Hockey Card Day trade group on Facebook. And then I've also done trades on a website called laststicker.com which is people who mainly collect stickers, Panini stickers, the top stickers from this year, the OPG stickers from the 80s, not just hockey, but all sports that have sticker albums, laststicker.com. They even have um, non-sports. It's probably more for people who are into sticker albums, though, even though they will also, like, you could say what, like, hockey cards you have to trade. Not a lot of people, like, really mess around with trading the cards on that site it's it's mainly for sticker enthusiasts so those are the ones i could think of off the top of my head yeah and i our lists are very very similar minus the sticker part um the uh you know i've used twitter quite a few times to make some trades and purchases um you know obviously ebay but i don't consider that social media um a lot of people use Instagram these days um, now, but I'm not young or cool enough to be on there. So um, as for Facebook, um, like you said, the National Hockey Tra- Card Day trading page is a good one, but it's mainly focused on that. Yeah. Um, you know, current year, old years, uh, but it is a very good community and and there's there's quite a quite a good audience there. Um I've also been a lurker for a while uh, with a group called Flying V. Flying V was a breaker group from Twitter that kind of became a Facebook group. Now, yes, they do breaking, and I have my opinions about that. But at the same time, they opened that group up for um, selling and trading as well. And so there's a lot of people on there that are always looking to make trades and make deals and, and things like that. So I haven't done anything on it yet, but... Uh, like I said, I've been lurking. And I don't I know if actually, people really use the forums anymore, do they? Like blowout forum or um, you know, sports card sports forum, card or forum, trading no. card forum, or any of those. I don't really hear people talk about them that much anymore. So my problem with sports card forum, it was a lot of work to match up with what you needed. Like, yeah, I could list out all my cards, but you'd have to look and see if he needed any of them. And, and it uses that forum format where everything's text-based and it's all, like, really super long and that kind of thing. Yeah, and, and so it's just, it's a lot of work. And so sites I, like like Trading Card DB and Last Sticker, 
you input the ones that you want, you input the ones that you need, and then it finds you matches based on that. So Yeah, and that's definitely one of the big pluses to Trading Card Database. And I assure you I'm not on their payroll, but I definitely appreciate what they've done and the site that they have and the database they've created. It's very... Once you get into it and get past the fact that you are going to have to do the work yourself, mm-hmm. once you do the work, you don't have to do anything else. Now, real quick about Flying V. I actually bought cards from them, and it was a great transaction. Um, okay, well, there you it, go. It was, it was, items were well-packaged. They were uh, sent uh, securely um, and quickly. Um, I bought a bunch of Young Guns. It's like low-end Blackhawk Young Guns from Flying V. And I was so I was so hype about Dominic Cahoon, and I got a bunch of his young guns, and then like a couple weeks later he was traded, a couple months later, whatever, to the Penguins, and he's been on the move again. Yeah, and I I thought you know I'm gonna go after some Cahoons early you know, this season, funny. and I, I started was... a small Cahoon collection back in October, and November, and then I stopped for a little while. And then I thought about picking it back up a week ago. And no, yeah, no, he's no longer there. So I you guess know, I should revive my uh, Connor Sheary collection. But, you know, did I ever give you those uh, Cahoon Young Guns or no? Um, I don't think so. Maybe. No. I don't know. So, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I had so. like six of them. But, you know, it was funny. Somebody on Last Sticker, I guess at the time, was like, um, hey, I'm in Europe. Are there any European players that you like? I'll throw in some stickers just for you to have. And I said, do you got anything? I think he was from Germany. And I'm like, do you got anything Dominic Cahoon? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah. And he sent me some, like, Dominic Cahoon cards from Germany and some stickers of, like, Cahoon and, like, a couple other guys who are now in the NHL but started in Germany. These are, like, recent guys. And I'm like... Oh, these are really cool, you know. And I came across them the other day. I'm like, ah, Cahoon. I barely knew thee, you know. Like, you were becoming my favorite Blackhawk, and now, now I guess you're my favorite Saber. Yeah, but you got a different Dominic to to like now on the Hawks. Oh, I'm sure he'll be gone in two years. You think so? He'll, he'll get in that contract year, and then and then. And then, and then they'll trade him. I don't know. I heard some interesting talk today about Patty Kane possibly disappearing and doing one final hurrah in Buffalo, of all places. Well, so, that's his hometown. Yeah, so that'd be interesting. I but, don't think Buffalo has anything that the Blackhawks want. Well, not at the moment, but a couple years from now, maybe. Yeah, never know. I don't know. But anyway. Kane so, for Eichel. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Yeah, right. I'm just saying. Yeah. They want well, their native son back. Okay. That, that's that's too much of a too much of a price. But then again, who would you do it? It's, there's nothing there. Shall we uh, move on to the next question? Yes. yes okay. Let's. Next question. Um, Davis asked, "Is it a hockey faux pas to wear your team's third jersey to another city's arena?" I'm planning to wear my brand new Pedersen retro skate Vancouver Canucks jersey in Toronto next week. And I've been told that I can only wear a regular Canucks jersey in another team's arena. So the question is, 
Can you, well, he's asking specifically, can you wear a third jersey to another team's arena? But I think the question is really, can you wear a jersey of a team that's not playing in that game? So if we're at a Penguins Blackhawks game, can I wear my Sharks jersey? So I have an answer to this question. I actually have a very solid opinion on this. My answer is, is yes. Is that the question? Yeah, well, he's asking if he should wear, if it's a faux pas, faux pas, meaning like a mistake, to wear a jersey to a game of a Where team. Where neither team is playing? Right, because he wants to wear a Canucks jersey. Oh, is it, I don't know, is it the Canucks? Or I guess the game is like this Saturday. So, I just assumed it was Canucks playing Maple Leafs. I guess I should have done my homework ahead of time. So let's yeah. see. Okay, yeah, they're playing the Canucks, yeah. right? I assumed it was Vancouver, Toronto. Oh, okay. Yeah, they are. So I'd say, yeah, where, where, either way, why not? Exactly. Well, okay. If you're there to cheer on the Canucks, it doesn't matter if you're wearing the Canucks skate Jersey, the flying V Jersey, the, um, the old school stick Jersey, the weird, uh, whale C Jersey. You know what I mean? Like it's a Canucks Jersey, right? Um, wear it, you know, wear, wear that Jersey to the game because you're there to root on the Canucks and it doesn't matter what, um, which Jersey it is, right. You're there to support your team. Right. So you, you wear the, like, what did Putty say? You know, got to support the team. Right. I want to know who actually said this. It had to have been a Toronto fan. Oh, you can't wear that Jersey in our stadium. Come on. Well, here's the other thing though, is that. Certain stadiums, you take your life into your own hands wearing the opposing team's jersey. Like any team that plays in Philadelphia. I mean, that that's, you know, I'd be fearful for your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you watch hockey on TV, you see people in other jerseys. I, I don't wear it. Be proud of your team. So, but let's assume that he wanted to wear the skate jersey to a game between two teams and neither was the Canucks. So you're saying you wear a different jersey other than the two teams that are playing? Yeah. Okay. You're If you're a hockey fan, why not? Absolutely. I agree. See, I got into an argument with a friend of mine who's a big football fan, and he's like, you either wear the jersey of the one team or you wear the jersey of the other team. And if you wear a different jersey, then you're confused and you don't know what you're doing. And I'm like... And what if I you're disagree- a fan of the other team, but you just happen to get tickets to that game? Right. Yeah, or you're just not emotionally invested. I used to go to Blackhawk games in the 2000s, and I'd wear my Sharks jersey. N- not because they were playing the Sharks, but just the Blackhawks were so bad. And like... I think they were playing like the Maple Leafs one game and it was just, it was like just a really bad game. I wasn't there for the Maple Leafs and I wasn't there for the Blackhawks. I was just there because somebody gave me like six tickets to a game. So me and some people went and you know, it was like, I want to wear this, this, you know, I want to wear my Islanders fish sticks Jersey because it's hilarious. Right? Like I think there's really only two places that you can wear hockey jersey hockey game or a sports convention you can't like wear them 
I would also wedding, say church. A funeral. You can't wear them to church. Sure you can. No, you can't. I don't know where I don't know where you think you live, but well, maybe where you I live, wear them to... Yes, you can. Okay. All right. <laughs> um so like when I got my Quebec Rafael's IHL jersey, I wore that to a convention. And I was just so like, oh my God, this jersey's awesome and I'm going to wear it. And like I got compliments because people were like, oh, that's a cool hockey jersey. You know what I mean? That's, that's cool. You know, it was cool. It was cool. Like people complimented it, right? Or um, when I went to, um, you know, like sometimes I'll go to like a Wolves game. Well, I go to Wolves games quite a bit this year because I got a partial season ticket plan. And, um, I'll see people just wearing like the most random cool jerseys. I mean, I've seen, of course, people in goon jerseys with 69 on the back, slapshot jerseys with Hanson on the back, mighty duck jerseys with Goldberg on the back, but then also like jerseys of teams that no longer exist. Like there's always somebody in our Nordiques jersey, you know, and there's always somebody in like, you know, an old NHL jersey of a player who doesn't play anymore. You know what I mean? Like, I saw somebody in, like, a Mike Richter, New York Rangers Liberty third jersey, if you remember those, right? Yeah. That's a cool freaking jersey. And it wasn't like he was there to cheer on the Rangers farm team. He was just wearing this jersey to a hockey game, and it was, like, a cool jersey to see. So a lot of times I appreciate seeing those fun jerseys. So if I saw somebody in a skate jersey just randomly at a Vancouver Canucks skate jersey just randomly at a Wolves game, I'd be like, yo, man, cool jersey. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be like, doofus, the Canucks that's aren't I, playing. That's what I said to the guy that had the Mike Liu whale jersey at the kids' basketball game two uh-huh. weeks ago. You were but, like, cool uh, jersey. And to your point about jerseys that don't have anything to do, I wear my Vulgarians jersey all the time. Vulgarians? Yeah, the View Askew Vulgarians. It's number 37 on the back. Oh, yeah, 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 the View Askew jersey. <laughs> I wear that all the time. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. It is. Yeah, I, I've seen you wear it a few times at shows and stuff. People ask me all the time, they're like, oh, is that a hockey jersey? I'm like, yep, because they don't understand. Or then people are like, oh, I know what that is. Do you? And then they look at the back and see the number. Oh, what is that? And I just don't tell them because if you don't know, then you don't know. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So definitely wear your jersey. Wear it proudly. Wear it wherever you want. Wear it to church. Wear it to bed. Um, Just Just know that you will be ridiculed by the opposing team. And as long as you can get past that and have fun with it. Well, you know, once in a while, like, again, maybe Unless you're in Philadelphia, then you might be murdered. Then you might be murdered, right. But, like, like when we used to go to Wolves games in the 90s, I'd wear a Wolves jersey, and my roommate would wear my Fish Sticks jersey. Because, well, two reasons. One, because the Fish Sticks New York Islanders jersey was awesome. But two, in the late 90s, um, the Wolves were partially affiliated with the Islanders. So it made sense to wear a Fish Sticks jersey to a Wolves game. Because that was around the time when Ricky DiPietro, he was playing for the Wolves, and then he was also, like, getting called up to the uh, the Islanders, you know, who was, like, on the on the bubble for those those few seasons. So, oh, yes. Um, that so, was before he got punched out by Brent Johnson. Yes, and that ended his career. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I shouldn't laugh. 
you shouldn't. That that hey, getting a broken jaw is not funny. Not that I would know what that feels like, but I'm sure it's not funny. Um, what was I going to say though? Um, I mean, dude, check this out. A, a little little uh, little confession to make here. I actually wore a Pittsburgh Penguins jersey. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. To a Blackhawks game. <gasps> when they were playing the Penguins. <gasps> now, here's the funny thing. I wore my Blackhawk coat over the Penguins jersey. Then when we got to our seats, I took off my coat, put it on my chair... And the guy sitting next to me looked at me and said, you traitor. Now, a little bit of context. Because you're sending mixed messages to the people. A little bit of context here. It was early 2001. What happened around that time? Early 2001? Yeah. Um, in hockey. What happened 2001 in hockey? Let's see. Um, okay, in the interest well, of time, please don't play dumb. You know the answer. It was that when, uh, are you talking about when Yager got traded? No, no when Mario Lemieux came when out Mario of retirement. Mario Lemieux came back out of retirement? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Was that the first time or the second time? Second time. the second time. Right. So I had tickets to that game, and I was so excited to see Lemieux play again. So my aunt and I went. Your jersey was a Lemieux jersey, right? You know what? I didn't actually have a Lemieux jersey. It was the Penguins jersey that said Pittsburgh diagonally down the front. Okay. No no name on the back? I don't think it had. I know I have one that has. I have that cool third jersey from the late 90s with Lemieux on the back. But I don't know if I had it at the time. I can't remember. Was it a Francois LaRue jersey? No, 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 no. It's Mario Lemieux. Okay. Um, but, but anyways, I was so excited to see Lemieux come back. And so anyways, so I take off my Blackhawk jacket. I have this Penguins jersey on. And this, this Blackhawk fan next to me looks at me and says, you traitor. And I looked at him and I said, and this is right when warmups were starting. And Lemieux came out and everybody started, like everybody in, at Chicago, sorry, at uh, the United Center got to their feet and gave a standing ovation when Mario Lemieux came out to on the ice. And I said to the guy, I pointed, I said, I'm here for him. He's better than anybody in this arena. And the guy nodded and he said, yeah, you're right. And that was the end of it. Nice. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're, I'm like, he's better than anybody in this arena. And he's like, yeah, you're right. So, I mean, there's a point where like, I like this team and you like that team, but our fandom, our shared fandom of hockey transcends that and that's what i really feel what it's like that's why i mean you know somebody's like oh i would never wear a red wings jersey because i'm a blackhawks fan well i look at it i go you know what the red wings were in the same division with the blackhawks from like the early 70s to like the late 2000s but before that they were not in like the same division right so like or late 2000s, 2018, or whatever, whenever they went up to the East, right? So everybody says, okay, the Red Wings were the enemy. They were the enemy. They were the enemy. If somebody said, hey, Sal, here is this game-used Tim Shovel Day jersey, I'd be like, whoa, that's awesome. Thank you. Or here is a replica Gordie Howe jersey. I'd be like, 
F yeah, I'm wearing that jersey. You know what I mean? It's Gordy yeah. Howe. You know what I mean? I would be, I would be like, just because the Red Wings are a team. They had good years. They had bad years. They had uh, players. But, you know, rivalries. Rivalries, the same thing. Like one time I was wearing a Vancouver Canucks t-shirt when I was teaching a class. And one of my students looked at me and said, how could you wear that t-shirt? And I go, what, this Canucks shirt? And he's like, yeah, they're the enemy of the Blackhawks. This was when the Canucks and the Blackhawks were like beating up on each other in the playoffs. And I go, yeah, but they're a pretty good opponent. He's like, yeah. I'm like, they're a good team. He's like, yeah. And I looked at him and he was wearing a Darth Vader t-shirt. I'm like, how could you wear that t-shirt? He goes, what? I'm like, Darth Vader. He's a bad guy. Why would you wear that shirt? He goes, but he's awesome. I go, yeah, but there was that time where he, he murdered the women and the children of the sand people. And then he killed all the little Jedi children, younglings. And, and he's like, all right, all right. You got a point. You got a point. You know what I mean? Like, you like the essence of the thing, right? And I don't want to get too down in like it's a jersey of that horrible team that i'm supposed to hate because we played them six times a season or whatever right too much hate in the world oh i agree which brings us to our next question so uh oh boy junk wax twins asks is there a worse product than itg vault one one buybacks and whatnot have at it my man uh, is there a worse product than in the game vault? Um, yeah, I the 2012 Panini America Artistic Impression sketch sketch cards from football. Those were pretty awful. But um, if you don't know what those are, Panini had the great idea to show up to the rookie premiere and hand all of the draft picks, basically the spacer or whatever you call them, the slugs from the packs, you know, the white mm-hmm. cardboard and said, here, draw a picture and we'll put it in a product. Yeah. That was real smart. So you had a bunch of stick figure pictures and dumb things that they stuck in there anyway. But if I'm sticking to hockey, so. But wait, I was... cause Dustin Bufflin drew one of those cards for a hockey product. Did he? Yeah. Was it awful? Yeah. I don't it was know that like I've little... ever seen it. It was a little stick figure in a boat, and I remember somebody pulling that from a pack, and he signed it. It was a little stick figure in a boat, and somebody pulled it at the National in, like, 2011, and they're like, uh, I don't know who this guy is. He's And I'm like, oh, that's a hockey guy. He used to be on the Blackhawks, but he got traded. And he goes, oh, okay. And I'm like, well, do you want to trade me that card? Because I know it's, like, ridiculous and terrible, but I'll trade you for it. And he's like, oh, I don't know what it's worth, right? That's what they always do. I'm too afraid to trade this card because I don't want it. I don't want to be ripped off, man, right? It's like, dude, you're in a football jersey. Let me buy you some football cards. We'll call it even, right? But then <laughs> what happened was, was that I guess, I don't know if the card changed hands, but then remember Bufflin got busted for boating while under the influence? Yeah. And then so that card went up on eBay around that time. And then it got called out on like Puck Daddy. They're like, oh, look at this card. It was drawn by Dustin Bufflin. And it's like Bufflin in his boat. And that must be his box wine right there. Because there was just this random box that didn't make sense. So I was just like, oh, man, now that card's like $100. And I would have given the guy like 25 for it. But anyways, so yes, those sketch cards 
were not just football. And yes, they were terrible. But as far as ITG Vault, well, or was that yeah, that's what I'm saying? If if we're sticking to hockey products, is there yep. a card worse? I don't know. Uh, or is there a set worse? Um, look, in the game buybacks, if, if pe- for people that don't know, um, in 2016, that was pretty much the beginning of the end, if not the end of in the game, before they combined with Leaf. Um, and every box of this product was supposed to be set up to give you the most bang for your buck by them going out and buying back all of the products from all the releases that they had ever put out since the beginning of them producing cards. So mm-hmm. all the game used memorabilia, all of the one of one or all of the autographs, all of the, you know, inserts and, uh, goalie mask cards and everything else that they that they bought back, they brought back into the product and they stamped them all with one of one notations. Um, and so all the print runs are different of the autographs, but they're all stamped. And so you get all these products. Look, I understand the idea of it because if you go back to that time, they were saying that oh, every pro. Portions of the proceeds for every box you buy goes to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Great. Love it. I don't know how much of the portions, but whatever. So anyway. So yeah, if you want a bunch of back products from previous year sets from the late 90s and early 2000s with weird stamps on them for no apparent reason, when you actually have the regular card that looks exactly the same but doesn't have the stamp, then have at it. The only thing I can put at the same level as that, maybe a close second, would be upper decks buybacks. Um, because I don't necessarily like those either. Reissuing non-autograph rookie cards with autos on them, I think, creates a lot of confusion in the market. Especially with so many collectors, and I'm using air quotes, that like to try to capitalize on people's stupidity. So that may be entirely their own faults. Um as far as collectors being naive, but I'm not, and I'm not a fan of those. So that's that. Oh, okay. That makes sense. So here's another, uh, interesting question. Um, Oh, this is from our buddy, uh, at a census blocker on Twitter, fun Twitter account. If you're not following it, please do. Um, do you think other card manufacturers should have NHL rights or is the market already saturated with product? So this is actually kind of like two separate questions because one is not necessarily um, indicative of the other, or one is not really reliant on the other. So basically the two questions are, do you think that other card manufacturers should have NHL rights? And the other question is, is the market already saturated with product? Now, I don't think the market is saturated with product because I go into any card shop or I go into any like target or Walmart and they always have the least amount of hockey. Sometimes I see more. Well, obviously I see more baseball, but sometimes I even see more like UFC stuff at like target than I do at, um, then I do uh, hockey stuff, hockey cards. So, I don't feel like it's saturated with too much hockey product where it's just like clogging 
the aisles or just sitting in like at the dealer's shelves or dealer's cases. Um, at least, you know, back in those like Panini days from like to the, uh, you know, 2011, 2012, 2013, around there, I'd go in and I'd see like Prism marked down to like $11.99 a box because they just weren't selling them for 20 or whatever. I think the market has too many products that are similar to each other. And that's because Upper Deck is making all the products. And even though I like Upper Deck and I like the products that they make, I really don't have any real use for a lot of them because they're just so similar to each other. They don't do anything differently. You know what I mean? I, I like the bigger, I like Upper Deck Series 1, Series 2. I like the bigger sets like Opeachy because I like lots of players. Um, I'm still trying to put together a 1617 compendium set, which has 900 cards. That'll be awesome when I finish that, about 58 cards away. But uh, I think with if there's competition, I feel like then there would be more different things out there. And then I would be more excited about collecting hockey cards. And then I feel like there would actually be some noticeable differences. And I think when you have differences in the product, then it doesn't feel saturated. Maybe the dealers will look and say, oh, I got too many, you know, now I have to carry. Actually, one dealer said to me, oh, I love the Upper Deck Monopoly on hockey cards. I said, why? He goes, I only have to buy hockey from one company. He's like, I only have to buy baseball from one company. I only have to buy football from one company. I only have to buy basketball from one company. It's like, this makes it easier for me. I'm like, yeah, but as a buyer, I want to have some choices and I want to see some competition. Yeah, and I agree. I think exclusivity breeds laziness when it comes to design. And you get the same stale recycled designs over and over again. And they make it tweaked a little bit from year to year for certain products. I like to see new stuff. That's why I was kind of excited when Allure came out this year. Because it's a new product that's never been on the market before. And I wanted to see what it's in. And it's kind of got elements of a lot of the things that were already out there. So... It's really not anything that's like jumping out exactly. at you saying, I've never seen anything like this. Before. Exactly. So let me ask you this. Pieces of other things. If we called Allure, if we put Contours on the box instead of Allure, would you be like, oh, this is the new Contours set? Uh, no, it's it's different from Contours. Okay. But it's, I don't know. It just has, like I said, it has elements of... Elements of synergy, elements of contours, elements of what a prism set would look like. Just, I don't know. It's to me, it's not anything new. I like it, but it's not anything that's super new. And I've said it before if Tops, even though Tops only has the digital license to do the skate app, the insert cards and things that they come out with on skate are absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And when you look at some of the insert sets that are on there and the way they do the memorabilia cards and autograph cards and things like that, even though it's digital, they're they're amazing. And if they could come out and make those into real cards, it would definitely push the creativity level a little bit higher. Well, then but, Upper Deck would have to try a little harder and not just kind of regurgitate like... Well, and you know, it should be like that with any any product, whether you collect hockey or whether you collect basketball or football or baseball or UFC or wrestling cards or any of that. I'm not saying 
everybody gets a license and everybody gets to make as many sets as they want. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you can you can place limitations on the number of sets that manufacturers are able to make on a per year basis Mm -hmm. based off of how many licenses that you're going to allow. So if we go back to the old days where, you know, Panini's making cards, well, they weren't, but, they let's say they resurrect all the Pacific brands that they own mm-hmm. and they start making hockey cards in all of those brands again. Mm-hmm. And Tops gets their license back and starts making Tops and Bowman and you know whatnot. And Upper Deck still has theirs. You put limitations on how many they each company can produce and let's mm-hmm. say, okay, you got a shot at I don't know, five products each year or eight products each year and each one can put out. Yeah, that's a lot of products, but in the grand scheme of things, if you're looking across the board, it's going to create a lot of competition and it's going to create, Hey, we need to be better than our neighbor over here. So for every cup product that each year, the cup is great and highly sought after and looks awesome. Maybe there'll be something along the lines of national treasures or something better. Well, the Panini competes. had do, no. Excuse me, Panini had Dominion, and that yeah, but didn't Dominion really... kind of sucked. And the other, the 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 cash grab at the end for Panini, what was the, uh, um, uh, what'd they call it? Um, the one that had like all the patch cards that had no pictures of anybody on any of the. Oh cards. yeah, and they were yeah, like full yeah. size. Maybe it was the anthology. Yeah, Panini Anthology Hockey. I was thinking Rookie Anthology. That's different. Yeah, but anyway. Panini Anthology Hockey is pull this up yeah, here. It's full yeah, of that was, dumb, dumb things. That was but, the one where they like they couldn't like picture the players because they still had um yeah, it was a fifteen sixteen product and it was just like, you know, autographs and um patches. Um, yeah, just giant patches, autographs and sticker autographs. I mean, you know, he actually gave it a zero out of five. <laughs> actually, yeah. so, uh, let's see. Yes, he put here like final score zero out of five. And he said, look, I'm not even going to rate this box because Sal probably won't let me put four out of five flaming paper bags of dog shit as a score. And then I put editor's note true, but only because I'm too lazy to make a graphic of that hockey card fans. Don't buy this product. I mean, you can, but try and get them for $25 and nowhere close to the laughable 125 Panini asked for. Yeah. And you end up with stuff like that, where it's just like, we're phoning it in at this point. And I, I get it. They didn't have their license at that point, and they had to get rid of um, a lot of what they had accumulated up to that point. I understand. But, you know, obviously competition is going to breed creativity, and you're going to see that across the board in, in, in everything. So as much oh. as I like the products that Upper Deck makes, would I like to see other stuff out there? Sure. Of course I would. I mean, look at look at just look at like back to like the late 80s, early 90s, how competition raised the stakes. Right. So when top started having competition in baseball cards with Fleer and Donruss, um, I'm forgetting one. Uh, 
later upper oh and score later on right but um then top started doing their rookie and traded set right because they wanted to have more cards and they wanted oh well don russ has a card of this guy and fleer got a card of this guy and we didn't so we want to have them in our set too so then they would do a rookie and traded set right and then you look at the late 80s when upper deck came along and they did the really nice photography on the cards, right? And then that pushed Tops to say, oh, okay, well, we're going to make Stadium Club, right? And that raised the bar, at least for Tops, maybe not to the same level that of what Upper Deck was doing, but that still raised the bar. And then you look at, like, Fleer Ultra came out, and they're like, we're going to do UV coating on both sides, and we're going to do gold foil stamping on all the cards, and we're going to do three pictures on every card, or even Pinnacle, where they were like, we're doing two pictures on the front and one on the back, which was kind of a mess, but still like they looked for ways to outdo each other. And that was great. And it wasn't always successful. I mean, there were some stinkers out there, but we had this innovation. So it was exciting and we don't have that anymore. Right. Like the last upper deck set. I mean, I liked a lot of the upper deck sets that came out, but I mean, I just want to just throw out there. There was a set that came out a few years ago called full force. It was in 1516, and I was so excited about that set because it just looked and sounded like it was going to be like this 90s homage, and it it was just okay. Like, the design was okay. You could have put Fleer Ultra on it, and it would have been a Fleer Ultra set. I mean, honestly, you could have put Victory on it and got rid of the Full Force logo which was too big anyway. You know what I mean? And it had like some wacky inserts. Um, but uh, you didn't I like mean, those lenticular cards that I had like, rookies on them. I like those. Yeah. Or the uh, thermal threats that looked like they were on fire. No, I didn't like those, man. I grew up in the cold <laughs> war, war era. I remember the threat of a nuclear war. So I don't like looking at pictures of people that look like they're being incinerated in a nuclear blast. Oh, um, like every everybody looked like uh, Johnny Storm. Yeah. <laughs> um. So anyway, so um, I think we said enough about that. Well, we got two gum related questions, and we got a panini question. Shall we do the panini question first? <laughs> sure. Okay. This was also from uh, Junk Wax Twins. Asked, um, is it possible that Panini will make instant cards of e bugs? And how far is too far for 15 minutes of fame? So the first question is, will they make instant cards of e-bug? And the answer is no, because they don't have an NHL license. So then they would have to, like, get permission from the athlete. And then they would have to, like, airbrush out the logo. And then, like, nobody would care, right? Versus, like, a couple years ago when... Capo Caco. Oh, yeah. And, well, they're too busy pimping his cards, right? Which, by the way, they finally sold out of Select. Oh, okay. Must have been that $25 off. How many packs did you end up buying? Uh, I bought a whole... None, I think, if I I recall. Yeah, it must have been us uh, promoting it on the show that got the rest of the people to buy it. Yeah, the last 78 packs went to the 78 people who listened to last week's show. But so the thing is, is that like with an instant card of something sports-related... It really helps to have a uh, license for that sort of thing. So a couple years ago, when Eric Simborski was the e-bug for the Chicago Blackhawks, 
Tops was able to make a card of him in their Tops skate app. They actually made two different cards. One was him skating around in the warm-up. One was him facing some shots in the warm-up. So one with a mask, one without a mask. And that was kind of cool. And then like when George Alves played with the Hurricanes, Upper Deck made like a special Young Gun card that was like sent to um, card shops in like North Carolina and South Carolina to like promote upper deck hockey or whatever. I guess you had to make a purchase, you know? Um, and so, I mean, and there's other examples of e-bugs getting cards, but I think, I mean, I know like in the game did one of Tom Fenton. He was in the 2010-11 between the pipes set. But I also made a Tom Fenton custom card on Puck Junk that you could download and print for free. I'll make sure to link to it um, that I thought was pretty awesome because I actually, well, I wasn't selling it so I could show him in a Coyotes jersey. Whereas with the in the game set, they used a picture of him from college because they couldn't use him, a picture of him with an NHL jersey. But they're like, hey, we're making a card of this guy who was an e-bug for the Coyotes and sat on the bench and... I guess unless you get a picture of him in the jersey, like with the logo, is there really any desire for that card? And I'd say, nah, not really. I mean, unless you're into that kind of thing and that's what you're looking for. It's if part you're of a goalie your collector. Collection. Yeah. I mean, I love the I love the odd cards like that. So I mean, you know, if they did make a card of, of um I mean, I tried to get all the gritty cards when those were coming out. Because it was like gritty. Oh my god, this is hilarious! And he has a he has a rookie card. Okay, he's a young gun card. Cool, right? You know, and I I like those odd cards. So I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna go after it anyway. But um, as far as like how far is too far for 15 minutes of fame? Uh, I think giving the player like a a one off kind of card is fine. Or maybe even just flipping them into the product next year, like Upper Deck did with Alves. They actually put him in 1617 Compendium and 1617 Fleer Showcase, which seems to be a bit much for a guy who played 7.6 seconds in a game and was really just there just to be the goalie that sits on the bench the whole game. Yeah, but look how many cards Scott Foster got. One plus a bunch of variants of that same card. Well, that counts. <laughs> they could have not made the variants. I mean, I guess, but it was really, I mean, it was just one card and then just copies of that card. Look, everybody's calling for it to be made into a young gun card. Do uh, it. I, Why not? I understand. And that's fine if they want to do that. I think if they're going to do that, they shouldn't make it a normal young gun. They should make it like, I don't know. Make it a young gun canvas. That way it's harder to find. No, no, I disagree. I disagree. Because you want the card. That's why. No, I think that, look, if you make this something. This guy's not got a sh- chance of being a goalie in the National Hockey League. He doesn't. No, but so he can't actually be in, in, in Series 2 Well, that's already out or final update because he's not a member of the Players Association. So this right. is the good old days when they could just put in whoever they felt like it. And that's part of the other problem is he's not a player, so therefore he doesn't fall under the same licensing rules as the rest of their product. Right. So, so if they, they can... make an NHL set that's sponsored by the NHL and the NHLPA, I don't think he can be in it. 
No, but somehow Elvez was in the set, so in Fleer Showcase and Compendium, so I guess uh, the Hurricanes were okay with that. No reason to see why they wouldn't be okay with this also. I don't think it's the Hurricanes' call, is it? Because they didn't pay him. Yeah, that's a good question. I think whenever there's anything fun like that, that's like offbeat, I think, yeah, I think you should get a card. I'm not saying every single thing, because then that's pretty much game-dated moments. And this would actually be a great game-dated moment card. Sure, I have no problem with that. Make them into a game-dated note. Tops, jump on it, make them a Tops Now card. Well, And then we can move on with our life. Yeah, okay. Okay, so we can move on with that question then. That's that's what I say. Okay, so Sean Brennan asked, what is the best way to get gum off of old cards? Do you guys have any tricks? And the answer is no, you don't. Let me explain some physics here. Paper is a porous material. It absorbs things, like you've heard of paper towels. They absorb water, right? Cards, cardstock is paper. It's porous. So what happens is, is when the gum gets pressed to the card for a long time, eventually some of the gum seeps into those pores of the card, and then it just ba- it basically embeds into it. So I heard a trick of putting the card in the freezer, and I tried this because um, it was maybe like 10 years ago, I opened a bunch of old 87-88 Opeachy hockey packs, and I got cards. Um, every card had a piece of gum, st- or every pack had one card with a piece of gum stuck to it, and I tried to get that gum off. I tried, like, just slipping in, like, a thin piece of paper to try to kind of wedge them apart, you know, to kind of try to like just nudge them apart and it would pull some of the card off with it. I tried putting it in the freezer because I heard if you let it freeze that it would actually like the gum would freeze and then just flake off of it. No, it, it kind of did, but it also took paper with it. So I have tried, maybe you could try putting it over a pot of boiling water and maybe that would like melt the gum a little bit. You know, like the steam would get in there. Maybe that would make the gum soft and just kind of fall off. Yeah, it's... but steam, water, paper, no, they don't go together. No, I mean, that's going to just make, that's not going to help the, the card anyway. So, I mean, the best card that I got with a piece of gum stuck to it was a Bill Ranford rookie card in the 87-88 um, Opeachy set. And I actually, I put that in a penny sleeve and then I put it in a uh, thick top loader. And that's just how I kept it. If I ever meet Bill Ranford, I'm going to ask him to sign it right on the gum. Nice. Because that'd be funny. But I um, have two Brett Hall rookies, both with gum stains. Well, those are stains, though. He's talking about, or, oh, okay, so stains. Let's talk about stains. Yeah. Because the I'm gum talking stains about. stains don't come off because the oil from the gum and everything gets in there and it, yep. it stains the card forever. What about like, wax stains? Like, uh, now, a wax stain, I've actually seen video of people take the wax off of cards. I don't know about the back side if there's not finish to it, but I know on the front side, I've seen people take the wax off with pantyhose, if you can believe that. I believe it. Um, but I don't know how me. it would work on the paper part of the back of the cards. But on the front, it seemed to work. But gum, like the gum stains, no. Because yeah. that that's that's just like, just like you said, that's in there. It's buried in the card. Yeah. So unless 
unless you can talk to somebody at PWCC, they'll probably know how to tell you how to get it off. <laughs> yeah, right. How we made this feels like it needs to be like a late night infomercial. How we made this PSA four card fring into a PSA ten card. Yeah, exactly. You know, like the before yeah. and the after. Don't ask me. Ask the experts. Experts. I don't know how to do it. Right. Yeah. It's it's another reason not to really want to buy old trading cards. Like, you know, especially if like one card is just going to get damaged by gum and one card's going to get damaged by wax. You you know, already, you know, if it's a 10 card pack, you're already losing two cards right there. Well, I think the allure is always, hey, if I buy a box of 79.80, what are my odds of hitting the Gretzky out of there? Well, what are the odds of it being stained with gum? Yeah, that's a serious question, right? Because, I mean, you might, you might, if you buy a full box, let's say you buy a a full box and you could get potentially three to four Gretzkys, but then you figure there's like, let's say just tops, right? So maybe that would be two to three Gretzkys because that was 264 cards that year. But then you figure there's 36 packs in a box, right? So... Yeah, I mean, it's it's possible, it, and that sucks. So, I don't know. Sometimes it's just better. For, for making bank on a card. I don't know. You just buy the card that you want. And even making bank on a card, you're, you're, you're taking a huge risk. And if you want to do that, that's fine. But then you still got to grade it. I mean, it's just there's just so much to it. Just call PWCC. They'll take care of it for you. Oh, hey, PWCC does <laughs> not sponsor the show. Please do not. Please do not. Don't at me. Don't yeah. Don't at me, bro. Um, do not mistake Tim's um, strained attempt at comedy as uh, seriousness. It was not. But uh, actually, great question to end the show. So great username, by the way, Yari the Hut at Curry Yari asks: Should I try the gum in the eighty two eighty three OPG cards I bought today? And I'm going to say no. I tried that gum when I bought that 87-88 pack, or four packs. And I tried the gum. Let me tell you what old OPG gum tastes like. It tastes like wet sand. It's disgusting. How do you know what wet sand tastes like? Um, I can imagine what wet sand tastes like, right? We've all had so a little bit of... So it tastes like what you imagine wet sand would taste like. Well, when you put sand in your mouth, it's wet. I don't routinely do that, so I couldn't tell you. Well, what I'm saying is maybe he's not sand. Maybe wet sawdust is a better. Um... Oh, even better. <laughs> so here's the thing about the Opeachy gum. So I, I busted these packs about 10 years ago. So they would have been like around 20 years old. Let's just say maybe a little older, a little young. I don't know. They were somewhere around there. They're on YouTube. I'll put a link to the video where I actually eat the gum. It was not a good decision. Not one of my better decisions. You put a stick of gum in your mouth and you chew it. And that gum becomes this like collective cohesive lump that you chew on, right? Chewing gum. Not that baseball old baseball card gum. Well, the old baseball card gum used to kind of. Yeah, it would kind of fracture, but you'd you'd bite into it and it'd kind of fracture into pieces. But then you'd eventually chew it and then it would just kind of mush together. The Opeachy gum never did that. The old Opeachy gum never did that. Now, I remember eating Opeachy gum in 89.90 and 90.91 and just being like, 
oh yeah, this gum is not as good as the Topps gum. It's because they didn't put a ton of sugar in it. Like it had less sugar. The Topps gum had that nice coating of sugar on both sides. You'd slide it out of the pack. There'd be that little bit of sugar that was left on the top of the card. And you'd get the sugar on your fingers and you were able to kind of bend it in half, depending on how fresh the gum was. And it just had a lot of sugar on it and a lot of sugar in it. The Opeachy gum didn't have as much sugar, hence it's sticking to the old cards more frequently. But then also, it when I tried eating it, it never coagulated into a hole. It had it was like having all these little bits of separate things in my mouth that wouldn't lump together. And it tasted awful. And then when I tried to spit it out, it didn't spit out as one piece, like spitting out gum. It was like trying to spit out a mouthful of sand where I was just like, pleh, 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 pleh. oh God, I can't believe I did this. Pleh, 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 and gargling and just trying to get it all out. It was, it was, a, it was a horrible experience. Well, based on all of that, I'm taking counterpoint on this and I'm saying, yes, by all means, eat that gum and videotape it and share it with all of us. And add us on that too. Yes, exactly. All right. So I think that was a good first mailbag. The Puck Junk listener mailbag, the first one. Uh, thank you for everyone who submitted a uh, question. Oh, you know, by the way, I'm thinking back about that Facebook group. I'm thinking about starting a Puck Junk Facebook group. I have a Puck Junk Facebook page, but it's not really active. So I'm thinking about starting a group, maybe for trading or maybe for just talking about cards and stuff. That's not a bad idea. Put a little social media elbow grease to work. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I see other groups do that, and I think I think it'd be fun because I uh, I see other groups. I'm part of like a couple of different groups on Facebook. One about GI Joe collectors who like more just to talk about GI Joe than actually do any buying and trading. It's just more about talking about GI Joe. And another one like a He-Man group that I follow, and another one for like video game artwork, you know. And I think it's just fun to share that kind of stuff. So I'm thinking about starting like a puck junk group because i don't know i think it'd be fun to do you know we like to talk about cards we like to talk about culture collectibles all of those hockey things and i I think that i think that'd be fun so uh maybe look for an announcement on that coming soon and definitely if you've got more questions for us keep them coming yeah hit us up on twitter i love these questions these are great we've got we've got a few more and we're going to address on future episodes absolutely All right. Well, until next time, um, thanks for listening. Please like and subscribe and peace out. Peace out. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at PuckJunk.